What is up? Welcome to Project Freelance. This is season six. How's it going, guys? Welcome to another week of Project Freelance. We are about to start another 100 episodes. We're kicking it off right here with my friend Matt Marquez. He is a drummer. He's a freelance drummer. He plays drums for Norma Jean. He helped start the band Hardest. He also works with Eric Ron. He has played drums on the Slaves album Beautiful Death as well as Help by Siler. Check out those records if you haven't. He also plays for Norma Jean. He is actually a part of Norma Jean now, and that is amazing. We will be getting into how he met Norma Jean, how he got in contact with them, and how they changed his career and gave him more opportunities than he could have imagined. Also, if you live in Orange County or Los Angeles or San Diego or in California, anywhere, or anywhere, you could live in Washington, D.C., but I want to let you know I am invited. I, I am invited. I have been invited to my first art showcase. I will be showcasing my photography from these abandoned places at, at an art show, and it's my first time at an art show, it's hosted by Raw Artists, and I couldn't be more excited. It is on January 29th at Mansion in Costa Mesa at 7 p.m. If you guys want to come check out some of my photographs, and if you maybe want to get a copy of my book, I will have them for sale there. It is going to be, like I said, at Mansion in Costa Mesa on the 29th of January at 7 p.m. You can get tickets at rawartists.com slash just the letter K. I will put a link down in the description that you can just click on, go get a ticket. Even if you can't come, if you live in Germany, you can still buy a ticket and support me. I have to sell 20 tickets in order to participate. If I don't sell 20 tickets, I then have to pay to participate. So do me a favor, give me a little a little gift for this new season of Project Freelance and you can uh, buy a ticket to my art show. Even if you can't come, just buy a ticket. It's $25 and it helps me continue to do this kind of stuff and if this art show goes well I then can do art shows all over the country and all over the world with raw artists and I'm super duper excited about it I hope to see you there thank you guys for listening to me blabber on now I'm gonna shut up and let Matt talk Matt please introduce yourself and what it is you do to the project freelance audience my name is Matt Marquez I am a uh rock and metal drummer from California uh Los Angeles area. Um, I go back and forth a little bit between freelance work and uh, also uh, the membership of of a band. So uh, kind of wearing two hats, basically. Let's go way back. Tell me how you first got into playing the drums in the first place. How long have you been playing for? Um, I'm I'm 34 now, and I uh, I started I, th- I want to say when I was nine, and. I was um, listening to, <laughs> I was, you know, as a kid, like you listen to like what your parents like kind of bring you up on, and and uh, you know, my parents were they knew that as kids we were like really stoked on like Garth Brooks albums and stuff. So um, I remember hearing a song and just going, "Oh man, what is that? What is that thumping sound?" And my 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 dad said, "You know, that's the kick drum. You know, that's the bass drum. It's the drummer playing playing drums." I was like, wow, I got to learn how to do that. I want to learn how to make that sound. I need to, like, I want to be the guy that makes that sound. And uh, the next year, I, my parents uh, got me a drum kit for, my, for, my, for Christmas. Um, and the rest is kind of history from there. I went through some years of, like, 
not knowing what I was doing and kind of just not even being sure if I wanted to do it because I was like, I suck at this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, then things got a little more serious in high school. And, and pretty much ever since then, I was like, all right, this is really what I want to do. And that's kind of how I've been. Uh, nothing's changed since as far as like my drive and wanting to do it. I love it every single day. So in high school, did you start joining local bands? Like what was your, what was your next step after, you know, figuring out how to actually play the drums properly? Well, in, in high school, I wasn't so like serious about like trying to play in a band is because I was so focused on uh, like the drumline stuff. Cause the drumline stuff, I was just like learning everything, not just about how to like to play actual drums a snare drum or a bass drum or something but i was learning uh all of the orchestral like mallet instruments and like orchestral percussion so there was also not just the knowledge of rhythm that i was getting and timing and techniques in that realm but i was also uh studying uh chord compositions and and music theory and learning uh uh learning basically how to uh, play melodic instruments at the same time. So my focus was during high school was just get all the knowledge you can, learn all the things you can, like, you know, because I, I knew out of high school that it'd be cool to play in a band. So I was like, I'm here now. I'm just going to start. I'm going to absorb whatever information I can. And I think at the time I didn't realize that I that that's what my mindset was, but I realize now that I that's why I was so consumed with with doing those sorts of musical endeavors back then it's because I just wanted to get good at anything I could regarding drums and percussion stuff. Yeah. I mean, we have a similar background. I was on drumline as well, but not all of us continue on to keep playing the drums. So what, what inspired you to keep continue on after, after high school? Uh, high school kind of, obviously helped me develop this understanding of not just being a drummer or a percussionist, but just being a musician. So that, that, um, that sort of gave me a, a sense of, of drive as in like, okay, like beyond just playing drums, like we're thinking of musicianship, how to work with other musicians. And I wanted to work with more musicians after, you know, I started falling in love with it and stuff. And, um, and obviously, in you know, high school are the years where you kind of start really discovering, if not your knee deep already, in your own tastes of music. Um, so I was kind of just, in my mind, I was like, I learned all this stuff and I can apply it here. That would be awesome. So the drive to like be in a band, you know, once I started really like grasping and understanding what it meant to be a musical drummer was uh, is what helped me want to just keep going after high school. I was like, this is all I want to do. This is all I want to be good at, you know? And, um, it was one of those things that, uh, it, no one could change my mind on it. I was like, this is just what I have to do. Like, I, I guess in a sense too, uh, with that, um, some people are just wired a certain way, you know, like for me, that's just exactly what I feel like I'm put on this planet to do. Um, other people and everyone, they always try constant, they constantly try things and go, eh, it's not so much my thing. And they move on to something else. I did that for years before realizing that 
music and drumming was the thing that I wanted to do. If that makes sense. Yeah. So it, it wasn't just like always the one thing that you knew you were going to do. You kind of had to find it and it it had to like mold itself around you in a way. Yeah, because I did realize, you know, growing up, you know, I grew up in a motocross family, but, you know, and also my parents, like, they were signing us up for Little League, you know, baseball and soccer and hockey and stuff. And we did all those things, but, like, I, it, music is just the one thing out of all those years that stuck, whether I realized it at the time or not. It's the one thing that I just didn't want to stop doing, per se. Just, you know, going from a little kid that knew nothing and having, the lack of maturity, I guess, to try to get better, you know, and then getting better when you're older. Uh, It's one of those things where it's like, all right, I knew when I was a kid, I wasn't any good at this. And then now I understand this or that. So I'm going to just go for it now. And now that I know what I'm doing and how much I still love it after all the stuff that I've had to kind of go through and, you know, in school, like that's prepared me just like any other, what they say about schools, like prepared you for real life. I failed auditions. I I passed certain auditions with flying colors. They discovered things about me as a learning student that that I didn't even know I had. Um, and all those things played a role because it was all musically involved in why I was like, I'm going to keep doing this for now. I'm just going to keep doing this. And I didn't expect it, obviously, to turn into what it's turned to now. Um, but... Uh, right out of high school is when I started getting into the local music scene and wanting to play with heavier bands because I started discovering all those heavier bands back in the day. So uh, you never know, I guess, like, like, uh, I, I, me, for me, I, I never knew. I didn't have the intention of like joining a band until I got out of high school. It's like, all right, I'm out of high school. Let's do this. You know, let's let me find a band. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you talk about the importance of having art programs in schools? Uh, I know that there's, this is a topic that, you know, some people are getting rid of arts programs at schools, but uh, can you just talk about the importance of having those, those programs and those types of things going on at schools? Um, I feel like I, I'm speaking just from like when, obviously when, when I was in school, um, the importance of it, uh, comes down to, uh, teaching people to not just think for themselves, but, um, to inspire them obviously to dig into what they're passionate about. Even if someone does music in school, they're not, you never know if they're going to like, that's what they're going to do forever, but it might teach them to go and find what it is they are passionate about. The rest of school is teaching you how to like, you know, solve certain math equations and, you know, figure out like what kind of dirt is on this asteroid in space, which is, it's like, <laughs> it's like cool. Like I, I get it, but you know, like real life things too, like, uh, like going when you're auditioning for, uh, a music class, like the music program as a part of was extremely competitive on a national level. And so like the thousands of people that would audition there were thousands of people that got sent home i was lucky to especially my first and second year to get into that program still because i didn't know enough i needed to learn so much more but i it's like i passed the audition with a serious amount of help from other people 
So it gets you ready for that whole thing of maybe going in for a job interview and then that job saying, eh, sorry, you're not it, you know? Um, but it also teaches you a certain um, level of discipline. Like we were the first ones at the school every morning and the last ones to leave because of rehearsal schedules and things like that. So it kind of teaches you that, oh, go to going to school is like going to work. You have to put put in your hours every day. And then before and after, there's still things you have to take care of as a grown-up, you know? Um, but I feel like the importance of, of art in that sense is like, oh, there's certain things that can be demanding of your time. Uh, and these things teach you to do that beyond your normal day-to-day obligations and things like that. Like, there's a deeper-rooted thing in the importance of art to me. Um, but the other, th- the other uh, thing about it, too, is that without music or just any sort of artistry, this world is very bland. You know, think about everywhere you go, no matter where it's at, there is some sort of art, whether it's graffiti or some sort of giant awesome mural, or, and everywhere you go, there's a song playing somewhere, every restaurant you walk into, anytime you turn on a car, every time you watch TV, there's music playing somewhere. So, I feel like teaching that in school is just as important because imagine a world without any of that. You know, I can't, I can't, you know. So it, yeah, there's uh, many reasons, <laughs> like a rabbit hole of reasons why I think it's important. I'll never forget those 5.45 a.m. drumline warm-ups, you know. Uh, what was your drumline breakfast? <laughs> Did you have like something you ate every day? Mine was uh, Dr. Pepper and Pop-Tarts. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I heard, I don't remember like the, I didn't really have like a routine meal type thing, but I do remember, uh, there'd be a lot of mornings where we would leave the house and there was, uh, my parents bought these, um, these frozen hash browns, like individual hash brown things from like Costco. And I would grab one of those and like this, like breakfast type drink thing, um, and that was like my food in the morning. I wasn't ever, and I'm still this way. I'm not just, I'm just not that big on eating a lot in the morning. Um, just something quick, because I know that, you know, as a kid, when I was doing those uh, early morning rehearsals, um, that there was going to be, I was going to be expending energy, you know, and I had to go through a whole, a whole school day after that. So I needed to do something. But, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, something that, as a, even as a student in high school, you had to wake up early enough to allow yourself that time or else, you know, you have no time between zero period when school starts to, to do that. (laughs) You know, it's kind of weird for us, but like, uh, you know, sometimes they would try to cut the rehearsal period short so people could just, I don't know if your school did this, but they had a breakfast thing in the morning right before school started. Like there was like the the little yeah, the little place where you buy food from, they always had like morning stuff for people to get there early. So we would try to scramble there real quick. But for me, it was, uh, especially my senior year, we had the zero period marching rehearsals. Then we had a first period drum class, like percussion drumline class. So we would basically just be rehearsing what we already rehearsed. Um, but it's just all the percussion only. And then I think my third period was uh, was a jazz class. So I was doing uh, jazz percussion. Um, I think at one point I was in like four music classes <laughs> my senior <laughs> year of high school. Um, wow. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. 
That's amazing, man. You just basically figured it out, figured out the extracurriculars and you were like, I'm going to do music and then math and then music and then English and then music again and then lunch. <laughs> well, I mean, because I, I, I wasn't too crazy about the jazz classes and stuff. So like, even though I was signed up for them, uh, there were days where even like the, the band director would say, hey, we're working on this thing sort of thing today. So we don't need the percussion. We don't need this, whatever. So I would literally sit there and practice the next up and coming drumline audition. I would just learn it because I was like, I might as well just spend this hour during the day practicing this, practicing that. I remember I was practicing stuff all the time, all the time. Um, and so there was, uh, <laughs> I mean, had, I still had an A in that class. It's like, cool, like, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, I, I, I personally feel like taking all those classes, the music-related ones, kind of prepped me more for real life than the actual classes I took. And uh, not because I'm a musician now, but just because there are certain things I learned about, uh, you know, especially, you know, being in public, going out and doing things with a, you know, trying to do things with a sense of, uh, you know, being humble about things or... Uh, you know, toughing out tougher situations and, you know, things like that. that Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what was the first local band that you joined? What was your first music project? Um, the very first one, uh, I think I was playing drums for, uh, this girl named Samantha Marquez. We're not related. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Are you sure? Like, um, <laughs> positive. Um, she had like a she had like a a small record deal with like a with a label in L.A. doing kind of like a, uh, what was it? I would say it's kind of like Sheryl Crow rock type stuff. Um, and it was my first time like doing like a live band thing. Um, it ultimately it wasn't what I wanted to really do musically, but I was like, you know what, like this just gets me the experience of playing live shows and seeing what it's like to rehearse with people outside of, you know, school band and things like that and seeing how other musicians work together. Um, so that was like my first like thing. And like, we did like tons of like shows at like, you know, like local parks for like city events. And, you know, we did like a TV show in LA for like a, like a, spanish-speaking tv channel or whatever um there was a few things but it was so long ago but it was still like that i think that was the first thing um because at the time my brother and i were jamming with a friend and we played a a cover song at a talent show and and uh she came up her and her dad came up to me afterwards like you should play in her band i was like you know what okay (laughs) so um after that though, I started finding like the, I've, you know, started finding the, I guess the bands that were needing a drummer. And at the time, even back then, I got to admit, I feel like I was sort of picky because I was like, I don't want to just join any band. I want to, you know, if I get a chance to join a, even a local band, I want that band to have some hype. I want that band to have some music that is really, it's really got some potential or reach even I didn't know what I was thinking at the time but I just knew what I felt I was like you know I'm not going to join a band just because it's a band I'm going to join a band because it feels 
music feels good to me and like these guys are cool um i just i had that mindset from day one um so i found the band chanticleer which at the time they were local uh they were a local band from rancho cucamonga where i grew up and they were the band of like you know 18 19 year olds that were they were the band though that everyone was going to see everybody every time they played a show whether it was in a backyard or at this venue called the haven it was basically it was it was a movie theater turned into a music venue and um their drummer uh was their drummer and i kind of knew each other but we were officially introduced to each other like at one of the shows where they their vocalist announced that he was leaving and I was like, oh man, that's that's too bad. This band's sick. So I went up to their drummer. I'm like, man, that's crazy. Their singer's leaving. And he was like, oh yeah, I am too. <laughs> so I was like, whoa. Okay. Wow. Like, yeah. So um, he was, um, at the time that he and I became friends, I was jamming with my brother in another band called Still Life Portrait. And we were playing a few small shows, like in the local area, but like, uh, it was one of those things, as any band knows, it's hard getting traction. You know, we play a show in front of like 30, 40 people or something like that. And to us, that was a great night. Um, but uh, I just, there was one of those, there was something in my mind that was like, I, I as much as I loved that as, as a nostalgic thing, it's like one of my first like rock band projects, I knew that there was another step somewhere. And Chanticleer became that when uh, when their drummer Sean asked me to, to replace him. So things kind of like really changed from there pretty quick. <laughs> you know, I just kind of realized, all right, I did this Chanticleer thing. We did a record, we put it out and we played, we started playing shows, but those shows turned into like, Oh, now you guys are opening for Himsa and Sinai beach. Now you guys are playing a show opening for thrice. Now you guys are playing a show like, uh, with Finch and like all this, all these bands from like back in the day. And I was just kind of like, wow, okay, this is, this is for real. We're doing this. Um, so from there is when I kind of realized, yeah, I need to, this is what I want to do. This, I need to keep doing this. Um, and in joining that band, I just, I discovered so many other awesome bands that from, especially from back in that day, that were popping up in the scene, you know, it's like Seosin, The Bled, um, you know, Thrice was, they just come out with Arts and Ambulance, I think. Um, there was a lot of cool stuff happening all in this couple of years. I want to say it was like 05, 06. Man, I remember see, the first time I heard Sinai Beach was on a Victory Records compilation DVD, and it was The Church, and I like instantly fell in love with that band. I was like, so obsessed i can't believe you got to play with them man that's amazing <laughs> yeah there's uh it, at the time you know especially too like uh you know meeting those guys and going to the venue and stuff i was like oh my gosh victory records this is insane yeah <laughs> you know like <laughs> I was like oh this is this is so crazy they're like to me they were like the hugest band because they sold out the glass house and we were the ones on stage with them but, so um, sick. but yeah so uh when that band split up, though, I was devastated. I was like, "Oh, oh my yeah, gosh!" You know, because I was in love with the music. I was in love with, with, 
the dudes we were in a band with and there was just some really unfortunate things that happened and I'd rather strike those from the record but um, there were some unfortunate things sort of out of our hands that kind of led to that band's demise and um, you know but as with most bands especially younger bands you know when when something dramatic happens that costs you either your gear or the money you need to get by and stuff like there's it, you know once once it's gone like that you, you there's no recovering really so it's tough yeah it's uh it can be devastating when bands have to go through you know any any sort of drama and i remember the first time i met you guys you with hardest um i was about to go out on a tour with this band that ended up you know breaking up because of some tour drama and it's like that kind of stuff can really tear bands apart, like tour drama, financial stuff. It can really just, you know, devastate bands. And it sucks to hear that that happened. But um, what what happened next? What was your next gig? Um, well, basically, it was just like a couple of years of uh, circulating through the local scene and just trying to find the next thing, you know. Um, and uh, I remember had my share of bands that I was like playing in that, and like, again, they were all like local bands and stuff, which it, at the time in, and even now that's not a problem. Like the local scene is so important, but, um, I just felt that I was, I always had this kind of like thought process or instinct to constantly find the next thing. Um, and as I got older, I started trying to find more ways to, I, I guess, facilitate that. Um, because local bands I was I was in, it's like while they're great, um, you know, I I always had my parents kind of chirping on my shoulder, uh, saying things like, you know, it's cool that you're doing this, but you know, like you need to, you know, there's something better for you out there, or like you need to find a band that can do this or this or this, and not that they were, they weren't wrong, but I, I hope, and I know that, like, right off the bat, it probably sounds like my parents are, <laughs> maybe they were being snobby, or I was being snobby, you know, but at the same time, like, you always know that there's, uh, you personally know what level of greatness you want to be at, and, and it's, it's, it's that type of thinking that I know helps people get ahead. And it's not one of those things where like you're constantly looking down on others. It's literally just you setting personal goals. And I knew that my personal goals hadn't been met yet. So uh, I took a chance on my, some of my dad's advice where he, he was trying to say, hey, you should get on the road as, a, as like a road crew guy. Because there you'll be able to find gigs with touring bands all the time. And, you know, my dad, who's never toured a day in his life, uh, I at first was like, I was like, eh, this guy's full of shit. Look, look at this guy. Get a little of this guy. <laughs> but um, but he was right, you know. So I literally, I, I put out a Craigslist ad saying that I was going to, it's like, oh, you know, drum tech looking for work. And this rock band from L.A., who was signed to, I forget what label, I want to say it was like Interscope or something. They were, uh, 
You're like, hey, we need drum tech for this two and a half month long tour. You know, we're gonna be on the we're gonna be on the road on on a bus. We can pay you a uh, hundred dollars a week. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sick. Let's do it. <laughs> So, oh my god! I'm I, crying. And, well, truthfully, I mean, there. You know, my. I remember my dad saying he was like, you know, there's gonna be times where you have to really eat shit to, to, you know, take the next step. Sometimes you gotta eat a little bit of dirt or eat a little bit of shit, in his words. Um, and, and I was like, okay, like I get it. That that makes sense. Um, so I went out there and I was doing it hundred dollars a week for two and a half months I was losing my mind because you know the guys and the drummer himself he was freaking awesome he and I always got along we still get along we still talk to this day and and that tour happened in 2008 um the rest of the guys in that band like I don't know what happened to them that band's not around anymore uh but uh I remember for two and a half months I was just being treated like like crap I was just being treated like lows to the low by the rest of the dudes in that on that tour and I was like man this is rough you know like laying in the bunk of my tour bus hearing them openly just talk about me I'm like this it's like I don't even know what I was doing wrong I'm I've always been the kind of like uh you know especially in a, a situation where I'm working for other people uh in a job field that I want to excel in like instinctively I just shut up and do my job and listen and observe and learn. So I wasn't out there being this little like runty kid, like, you know, like being distracted from my job or getting cocky about it or anything. In fact, I was really, I was scared shitless the entire time thinking that, you know, oh, one little mess up and they're going to send me home and my life is over, <laughs> you know, but um, I don't know. It's just kind of crazy because like, uh, I did that tour and I endured it and there were times when I even wanted to just come home, quit it. But my parents were kind of like, you signed up for this, you got to finish it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Okay. Um, and uh, I, was, I was like, I'll never be a drum tech again. Screw this job. Like, you know, I was like, I'll never do that again. And then Jeff at Truth Drums uh, called me and goes, hey, after that tour ends, do you want to be a drum tech for Norma Jean? I was like, oh, well, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> like I didn't even it's like oh okay like screw what I just said before about never doing this again um and so like that's where I kind of got my connection with the Norma Jean guys this this the it's kind of weird like talking about it now because uh it was um like let's see it's 2019 2010 so yeah it's like uh it was like 11 years ago, but it still feels like, oh, crap, this happened last year. <laughs> you know? So real quick, how did you meet Jeff from Truth? How did he get like, how did you guys get connected? Because, I mean, he he went out of his way to give you that like that opportunity. So how did you how did you meet Jeff? Yeah. So um, uh, back in 05, when I was doing the whole like local band thing with like Chanticleer, I think I was uh, I was with Chanticleer at the time. And, but I was working at a guitar center in Rancho, um, and he came in, I had no idea who he was. I, all I knew is like, uh, you know, being younger and stuff, I, we had drum kits in there from Truth. We had drum kits in there from like OCDP and 
Spawn, like all the local like custom companies. And um, I had no idea that Truth was from Rancho Cucamonga originally. I was like, oh, that's crazy. Um, he came in looking for... Uh, he was like, hey, I need to special order some like screws or something like that. Uh, like a special type of part that he normally doesn't carry at their drum shop. And so we got to talking and I was, he was like, I was like, you building a drum kit? Like you did a lot of different parts. And he goes, he goes, yeah, I build drums, you know, and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, that's cool. What's your, what's your drum company called? And he goes, oh, it's Truth Drums. I was like, oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> you know, he, uh, he gave me a business card and literally the next week I was over at his, uh, at the time it was his mom's house. The garage had been like used as a drum shop where they're building drums. And um, I was like, oh, this is pretty crazy. Like they had bands like Rufio and um, uh, Anne Berlin playing their drums from from that were being made in a mom's garage. <laughs> uh, and uh, literally like a year after that, he because of the Warp Tour world, he things kind of like blew up for him and he got a shop, the actual warehouse with machine, uh, with like machinery and everything. And, uh, he invited me there one day and, and that one day of me just going there to check out his shop, um, turned into us like really becoming like the best of friends. Uh, went to the shop every day almost, you know, like after work and stuff or just on the weekends to either, just hang out with him. Um, we would go run errands together for the shop. He would just, he's like, oh yeah, Atreyu's playing this concert. Like, you know, I got passes. Do you want to come? And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> sure. <Duh. laughs> yeah. And so, uh, um, we just went everywhere and did everything together that involved the drum company and building drums and playing drums. Like it was, you know, um, and, uh, we were able to, see and do a lot of cool things together. So, um, when that whole Norma Jean thing came around, uh, he, he knew that, that me hanging out at the shop all the time, like I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But he also knew that I really wanted to get out on the road, that I really wanted to, uh, I was looking for some sort of opportunity like that. Um, and so when, when Norma Jean called him asking for a drum tech, if they, if he knew anyone, he was just like, yeah, I know a guy. And I, I was, I was it. I was that guy. <laughs> so I have a really cool history with, with, with that guy. Um, when did, when did drumming for you go from being, uh, just something you were in love with doing and something that you were doing locally to it paying your bills? How long did it take? It took a really long time. Uh, and granted, I know some bands like some bands get lucky and they, you know, they put out a record, they blow the heck up and things change overnight for them. Not overnight, but you get what I mean. Like you can just tell that their career is going to, uh, be very fruitful for them. I wasn't one of those like lucky types. Cause I just had so many projects that we'd start up, shit would hit the fan and then it's like start over with a new band and, and all these other things. Um, that would lead to me going, ah, okay, the next thing. Okay. So the transition for that though, um, was, 
it was the next year, 2009. I I did us I did one tour as a fill in drummer for Haste the Day. Oh my um, god, what? Oh my yeah. god, dude. <laughs> yeah. What? So um wow. that definitely was an interesting dynamic altogether as far as um you know the tour itself and then just you know every tour with a different band is a different dynamic in, in general because you're working with different people different uh ways of doing things whatever so i've started realizing real fast that i need to kind of almost be a chameleon in this industry if i'm gonna do this whole if i'm gonna play with this band and then go to this one go to this one i need to be a, ch- a chameleon about getting along with people uh you know being prepared with the music um being patient, you know, because touring tests your patience sometimes. There's so many things. Um, so after that tour, when I came home, and basically their manager was kind of like, uh, their manager was basically kind of like, oh, he's a shit drummer. Like, don't use him. <laughs> like, <laughs> we didn't get along. Um, wow. Yeah, we didn't get along very well. Uh, and Jeff at Truth was, was there just kind of like, dude, uh, if I hear of anything, I got you. I'll throw your name out there. And I had a couple friends like that. I know at the, you know, Corey from Norma Jean uh, was the same way because after that drum tech tour, he and I became really good friends. And, uh, you know, so anytime a band, anytime I read about a band needing a drummer somewhere, I would hit up Jeff or Corey and be like, do you know these guys? What do you know about them? Can you set something up? Like I'll audition all this. I started hustling and be like, I want this, this, this. And, um, and it's harder than people think to find a band. Drum, uh, bands have a hard time, I think, finding a really good drummer. But drummers also have equally as hard of a time finding a band because not every good drummer will just join any band. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it, after a while, there is that business sense of, does this make sense for me to do does, or does this? You know, Does this cost money or does this make money? That sort of thing. So... Um, uh, fast forward a few years when I finally realized it all kind of clicked was like, uh, when I, when I really grasped the concept was when I, I helped start the band hardest with, uh, Tim, uh, Tim Koch and, uh, Jonathan Gayton. Um, and we signed a deal with Roadrunner, which was cool. Um, they put on a lot of money into a recording album, which was cool. Um, but then I got in the studio. We got in the studio with David Bendith. And I was like, okay, like, what's this going to be like? And um, I realized right then and there that everything I knew about being a drummer, first and foremost, was about to change. And it benefited me a great deal because... Uh, David was not shy about telling me this is off. That's off. You can't do this if you're doing this. And, you know, like the time it takes to go from your rack tom to your floor tom is X amount of milliseconds. And that causes a lag in your playing on the click track and blah, blah, blah. He would just go like on these. What? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He, he would, he would just, he would explain things in all, in such a technical sense that I started thinking technically. Uh, and, and, that has its ups and downs that I'll get to like later, but 
um, I started thinking that way and it changed a lot about how I play and why I play certain things or why I don't play certain things now that I used to. Um, so when, uh, Hardest was doing some, uh, pre-production demos with Eric Ron, um, Eric was so stoked on my drumming in his studio that he actually started calling me back to record records for other bands. You know, a band would come in there and the drummer was either not fit to record the record or the drummer had to leave for an emergency or the band is kind of reshaping and so they have a recording deadline but they don't have a drummer yet. You know, there's all sorts of reasons that that bands need a drummer in the studio. And I've been lucky enough, thankful, uh, that Eric Ron has tapped me to be the guy for that. So um, I learned a lot with him be about chemistry he and I have a really good chemistry together he sometimes can just do sign language and I know what he means you know while I'm doing a drum take um so to answer your original question when I realized this was a you know not just a passion but also something to make money it was when I started doing those Eric Ron albums uh you know he would tell me this is like a rate or like the label I'm going to pitch this budget to the label and you know and then he'll call me back and be like, hey, label agreed to pay X amount. Like, we'll see you in the studio on Tuesday or whatever. And I was like, okay, shit. Now I'm really getting into this whole thing where uh, I could do this um, for a living. <laughs> Which every musician wants to do is do music for a living. So I was like, it's like this is cool. I could get used to this, <laughs> you know. Um, and that was probably in 2011. So now we're talking... Uh, almost 12 years after I first started playing drums that I was able to kind of like start bringing home some money with it. So during this time you had quote unquote real jobs as well to, to, uh, pay your bills and stuff. Yeah. I mean, every musician does honestly, like there's some sort of side business, even like the big celebrity musicians have businesses that they own clothing companies or, you know, whatever. Every musician, I feel like, almost every musician has something else going on that makes sure that you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. So um, I was lucky enough to find a job uh, about 30 minutes from my house. It's it's a forklift driving job, but I mean, it's uh, the people that I work with that have hired me there, they've looked out one billion percent, not just for me as an employee but you know when I needed to move they were like here screw you haul take one of our box trucks and move you know or like uh like hey I need time off for this recording thing it came up last minute oh yeah don't worry about it we'll see you next week <laughs> or hey I gotta go on tour okay we'll see you after the tour they don't even hesitate when it comes to like they stress more importance on this than sometimes I feel like I have they're the ones that are like did you practice this week? Did you got blah, blah, blah? Did you, you know, take care of this and this app before your recording, before your tour? Did you go shopping yet for your tour? They, it's just the kind of people that they are. And so I have no shame in talking about uh, working a regular job while doing this because, I mean, some people are like, oh, yeah, look, you're still working a regular job. It means your band's not doing good. Yeah, shut up. You're very wrong about that, <laughs> you know? Um, like, uh, the idea behind, like, working is like, what am I going to do with the money I make from a tour anyways? Come home for two months and spend it? 
Like, you know what I mean? So I've always had, you know, done what I can to have work. I feel that, that, that working any job is very important. Um, because just as much as and awesome as the music thing is, like anything else, it could be gone tomorrow. And you at least want to have something to kind of like, at least float you by, you know, while you get back on your feet again, you know, always have a, like some sort of a, a fallback somewhere, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to, uh, you know, freelancing for, for Eric and playing on those records, how can you just explain for other drummers that are out there that may want to get into a studio may have an offer like this? What are some things they should be, uh, looking for? Like, for example, do you get royalties on this stuff or do you have like a contract where you're just getting paid a flat rate? How does that kind of stuff work when you go into a studio? Um, there's certain, there's different ways I think that it's handled. Um, but first and foremost, uh, as far as playing drums on a record, there's no royalties involved with that really, because, uh, if there was, then you wouldn't be getting the studio rate you're getting, <laughs> you know, unless you're, unless you're Kenny Aronoff or something, you know, one of the most recorded drummers of all time, you know, it's a different thing, but he's one out of literally millions and millions the average, you know, working drummer, there's no royalties in something like that. So, um, uh, one thing to look for though, when you're getting these sessions is, um, try to get, try to get the best budget you can out of a label, or if the band's paying you directly, negotiate that. Um, but at the same time, especially if you're new at this, don't be afraid to say no if, if, even if they can't pay a whole lot, because, the big trade-off here is that if that band goes on and does great things, your drumming's on that record. And that's ammo for you in the future to, to land other gigs. So um, the other thing, too, is uh, for drummers that want to do this, um, and these are things, by the way, that I didn't go into a studio already knowing. These are things that I, I had to learn. Um, you will be called out on your habits. Uh not some producers might do it harshly. I know that Eric, he and I like can talk to each other like we're boyfriend and girlfriend. It's uh <laughs> you know, like we're we're just so like able to easily discuss and just kind of like point things out and work on stuff. And um you know, but your habits will be pointed out whether they're beneficial or if they're hurting the recording. Um and so in a sense, you have to sort of uh let go of a lot of the things that you instinctively know and be adaptable to any dynamic that a producer is going to throw at you because you might go in thinking, you know, the entire song start to finish. No one records that way. <laughs> um, so, uh, you'll be, you'll be able to, you'll be able to sit there if you've done your, your mental preparedness to have a producer say, Hey, that fill you just played, change it, you know, right on the fly. And you just, you're able to just, He'll say, change it to blah, 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 blah. And you go, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, he's like, okay, cool. Um, one of the things that some of my friends in the business talk about um, is they'll say things like, oh, yeah, so-and-so's a great drummer, but, you know, in the studio, he's he's kind of like a one-trick pony or whatever, blah, blah, blah. He goes, and that's why, you, that's why you're the ones that gets, you're the one that gets the gigs. Because uh, you're able to, you know, a producer can say, oh, do this, and you just do it. Like, 
you know, usually one or two takes and it's just done. So, um, there's a few things that give me a run for my money, but that doesn't mean that a drummer is bad in the studio. Um, it just means that there's sometimes challenging parts that for a studio drummer can be a little perplexing on the brain or, you know, um, but just being able to quickly adapt to those changes is going to make you more valuable to people that work with you. Um, yeah, I would say that's the most important thing. For sure. We talk a lot on this podcast about, you know, making yourself an asset for the people that you work for. Um, and so thank you for bringing that up and, and talking about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. What are some projects you've worked on with Eric? Like, what are some records you've played on that people might know? Uh, we've done, uh, I've done a lot with him, but there's been a few key albums that stand out. Uh, uh, one of them is um, the album called Help from the band Siler. Uh, played drums on that when they were, oh gosh, what year was that? 2016? Yeah. Played drums on that record. And I, I I had no idea who Siler was. Um but, but in my, my mind my God, I, dude. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely after that record, they like as soon as that record came out, they were they were doing everything. You know, they were on Sirius XM, they started doing like the warp tour stuff. They really started gathering quite a following. Um they've done well for themselves. Um and so that was that was a cool milestone album for me because I was like I was like I went you know I did a record with a band where I honestly wasn't familiar with them I didn't know what their fan base was like but now they're almost a regular name uh, when people are talking about heavy rock bands and stuff like that um, they've become one of those regular names to talk about and stuff those like oh yeah this is one of those bands that always gets brought up it's cool to be a part of that transition with a band um, and then uh, same thing with like uh, uh, the band Slaves. I did drums on their Beautiful Death album um, with Eric also. And uh, that was a band that had broken up, uh, to my knowledge. Um, and behind all of the news articles and stuff, they were restructuring and they were trying to figure out, like, you know, what the heck their band was going to do. And they also knew that they were trying to get a record done. So it was one of those situations where they had the dudes they wanted in the band, but they did not have a drummer yet. So Eric calls me in, uh, meet the guys. And, you know, that first day that I meet them, we're already, I'm already in the studio tracking drums for their, for their album. So, uh, it's kind of a quick process. Um, uh, compared to usual album recording type things. Cause, uh, I've been in studios where, we spend, you know, two weeks on drums. And then, I, you know, with Eric on a full-length album, we're doing full-length albums worth of drums in two days. So it's there's different workflows for different producers. But, but yeah, so I, um, Slay's Beautiful Death was one. Um, uh, I think one of the coolest things that, that, that I did was um, New Year's Day did a cover of Gangsta from the Suicide oh, yeah, yeah. Squad. Yeah, so I played drums on that. Oh, sick. Uh, which I think is cool because, like, you know, I I always thought that band was pretty rad. And, like, the 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 whole, like, punk goes pop thing, I always something I always wanted to be a part of. So yeah. I was able to, 
like, cool, it finally got in there, <laughs> you know. Um, there's there's a few. Um, played drums for on a record for an artist named Pax from China. Uh, it is all Chinese lyrics and language. You know, you can't understand any of the words um, if you don't speak Chinese. Uh, but the music is all kind of like a a very rock-ish, like, issues type of sound. Oh, okay. Cool. Which was recorded by Eric Ron. Yeah, yeah. Mixed by David Bend. It was mixed by David Bendith. And uh, I just finally was able to get my hands on a copy this year like, of that record uh, because they only sold it in China. This is, like, one of those oh, weird wow. things where it's like, yeah, like, it was a, a record made in America, but it was completely made for the Chinese market. And so like, there was no way we were going to get copies here. I can't even find it on Spotify. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, but I've done a lot of cool stuff, you know, and, and, uh, I definitely have Eric to thank for that because, you know, he equally is sitting there. He goes, no, dude, I thank you. You're helping me get this record done. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, I don't think you understand how cool it is that like, you know, as a drummer, I never saw myself ever doing this whole like freelance studio drumming thing. And you, completely didn't even just give me a, like a start on it like but you like helped me like steamroll through it you know he gave so, you a shot and it and it took you to places like some crazy crazy opportunities it's awesome yeah and he's doing cool stuff himself too now like i mean he just got a gold record for for the I work know, he did with, wow. God, with godsmack i was like yeah it's like geez and then he got a grammy nomination for uh i think it was i prevail yeah um like, he's literally just, like, I've watched that dude kind of, like, just, like, steady, a steady and ambitious uphill climb that I'm, like, yo, I'm I'm low-key jealous, but also this is a super mega proud moment. Like, very proud of that guy because, like, you know, uh, he and I have done a lot of cool things together. So to see him continue is is awesome. I've been trying to uh, coordinate a podcast or interview of some sorts with that guy. So if you can give him a nudge for me, we'll try to get him on Project Freelance so he can talk about all of his amazing opportunities, all of, all of the amazing things that he's done. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely. Uh, I'll definitely uh, see if I can bug him about it because, I mean, he's uh, he really is one of the, the sweetest dudes, you know, um, but he is definitely busy. <laughs> so. I get it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about uh, you now touring with Norma Jean. How did that come about? Yeah, so like the Norma Jean thing originally came from me doing uh, that drum tech gig with them uh, um, back in 2008. So then in 2010, that drummer that I was working for uh, left the band. And uh, Corey, the vocalist, was he just he called me and and didn't even really ask me to try out, if I remember. He was just kind of like, yo, come play in my band. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so for so for a few years, I was touring with them uh, right when they released the album Meridional. And we were doing a bunch of state stuff. We did a Europe tour, a really sick Europe tour with like The Chariot and uh, Dead and Divine. Um, and at the same time, while this was happening was when I was doing all the music that was being made for what would be the first EP from Hardest. So between tours of Norma Jean, I was in the studio getting those songs figured out. Um, and somewhere in that transition, 
we were getting ready to write Norma Jean's Wrongdoers album. And we wrote a few songs and recorded like some demos of them. Uh, but the actual full-on album recording for me didn't happen because uh, at the time, Hardest was getting ready to sign. Like literally, we it made the decision between, I think it was like three record labels that were interested and we'd made the decision, the decision on Roadrunner. And uh, they basically were like, well, as soon as you guys sign this, we're going to be getting you busy, blah, blah, blah. So I had to make that transition from Norma Jean to Hardest. And the Norma Jean guys were super cool about it because, uh, you know, in Corey's mind, he's like, I'm just stoked you're still doing stuff. You know, <laughs> it'd be kind of suck if you, like, left this band and then you just went home and didn't, you know, weren't a musician anymore, <laughs> you know. So, uh, the years went by, like, you know, you know, hardest, we did some awesome tours. We did the records and one of them was the, the Bendith record that I told you about. Um, and, uh, there was kind of a series of unfortunate events with, uh, Roadrunner and, you know, so we parted ways with them, we fired our management, we our booking agent like was kind of just asleep at the wheel <laughs> um there was uh it, it kind of just went to the side you know uh back in like 2015 so 2015 was when i was i know we've kind of like uh overlapped and kind of gone back on the on the on our timeline here but um 2015 is kind of when all that stuff with the studio work started picking up you know, Eric's got, like, I got this record here, got this record here. Um, this dude, Greg Johnson, who's like, hey, I need you to come record drums for this, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Um, so from 2016 to 2018, like, basically, uh, I was doing those records and stuff, and every now and then, I was filling in on drums from Norma Jean still, like, for, like, one, like, a one-week run here, or, like, you know, like, a two-week tour there. Um, I, I never fully lost contact with those guys. Obviously we're, we're like family, you know, it's not like we're going to never see each other again. Um, and, uh, this, around this time last year, Corey was talking to me, asking how I would feel about coming in the studio, uh, and working on the songs with them. He goes, Hey, so like, my brother Matt's playing drums for like all of our writing stuff. And I think we're just going to have him track the, the album, but it'd be really cool to have your influence on this record too. Cause you know, you're like a total like heavy music drummer. Like you get this, like, it'd be cool to have your, your input on this. I was like, okay, so what should we do? And he was like, <laughs> he was like, well, let's fly you out to New Jersey when we get, go to the studio to record the album. And, uh, you know, we'll literally, like, you'll be sitting in the room with us, like, doing all of the pre-production and rewriting of song parts and stuff. Okay, I'm down for that. And, uh, I think, um, I think it was, like, the day before my flight or the day of my flight to go out there. He called me and goes, hey, so, uh, you're tracking drums for, like, the whole album. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, okay. So like the challenge, the uphill challenge with this is that Norma Jean's music is not the normal demo stuff that you can just listen to one take of and then just play it. You know, the music is a lot more complex. There's 
little time changes and there's certain very specific drum patterns that if they're if they're not played then the rest of the music kind of sounds weird in that spot it's like a I, I don't really know how to explain it but there's like a weird science with the way that Norma Jean makes music um, so I had to catch up on a year's worth of their ideas and creativity and uh, like in the matter of like days try to assimilate myself into you know, okay, how am I going to do justice for what they've already created? Plus, had the opportunity to rewrite stuff with them before the actual album tracking started. So that was a, a, a plus. And this is this is all happening February of this year. So February 2019. And even back, in, even back then, Corey was already asking me, he goes, um, how do you feel about touring again in this band? I'm like, well, I'd love to. I haven't been as busy as I really want to be. And I know this band has always been able to, like, keep me busy at that point. Like, so, you know, uh, in my mind, I was like, why not? Like, what? <laughs> a lot of musicians, when they leave a band, they don't always get the chance to come back like that. So I was like, I need to kind of take advantage of this. And, and, and uh, you know, because this is another rare opportunity um, to have something that, isn't uh common for every drummer so to end up back in the band literally was uh cory basically just going you want to be back in the band <laughs> you know but there's so many other inner workings with it as far as the way the album came together and now doing the tours and everything like that i'm signing a deal with solid state and like basically amending myself to whatever contract they have you know uh to become a part of the actual Norma Jean entity on paper. You know, it's kind of like, that's like a page turner for me um, to kind of be like, yo, all right, I've been given this job. Now I need to own it. Now I need to be good at it. I need to respect it. And I need to, you know, uh, make myself as equally a contributing factor uh, in one way or another beyond being a musician in the band you know it's like helping helping Corey with decision making or helping Grayson and Corey with like our choices on bands we, we're gonna take on tour or you know managing finances or just you know like all the paperwork stuff and desk job stuff that comes with being in a band that no one really wants to do but I realized that if it's the right band you'll want to do it <laughs> you know so uh, you know, every day, like, you know, I'm getting texts about something or phone calls about something regarding Norma Jean, regarding merchandise, regarding the album, regarding tours. Uh, you know, there's always something. And I love it because it's like, cool, like, this is my, this is mine. You know, like, I I worked, yeah, I worked my ass off for it. But at the same time, it's like, they chose me. At the, you know what I mean? Like, and it's, to me, it's a very humbling thing to be like, they chose me all my years of freelancing. I had to kind of like pull myself into this mindset of like, I can still freelance, but now I have a job, like a, like a dedicated job to this band, you know? So, uh, it's something, I guess I, I know it is, it can be kind of rare. And some people I know, like, uh, like the whole freelance side of, of my life was to find something like this. But I know that for for others, 
freelance is, is everything, which is amazing to me. But like the, there's always that whole like aspect of, um, just knowing where your dedicated work is and knowing where you're, you're able to kind of roam around and like find the other stuff. I have this kind of like balance with it, if that makes sense, as far as here's my Norma Jean stuff, here's my freelance stuff. Like right now, like we're not on tour for the next month or two. Um, so I'm already doing what I can to take in studio sessions at my house where it's either writing music or going to audition a mix for somebody or, you know, re actually record a song for somebody. You know, things like that. Like, always trying to find something where it's like, where I'm extra freelancy in that sense. You know, it's like, oh, hey guys, I record music. Hey, it makes music or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I come to my studio. You know, where I know with Norma Jean, it's like, oh, I got this tour coming up. Or I got this music video to do. All Hail came out in 2019, came out this year. Talk about that record. Uh, talk about what it was like to be in the studio on it and to be a part of that as as a an official member of Norma Jean? Um, well, as a kid playing in all those like local bands and stuff when I was younger, I if anyone told me that I was going to play drums on a Norma Jean record at that age, I would have looked at them like they were just crazy and insane. But like, yeah, you're, you're tripping for sure. Like, don't talk to me, you're creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's kind of the level of craziness that, that it is for me of, of like, you know, and that's where I also had to separate two things. The excitement, there's like excitement, obviously you're a musician, you have fun with it. If you love what you're doing, it doesn't matter if it's music or not, you get excited about it. You get excited to, to do this thing that you love. So I had to find this small level of separation between the whole, like, all right, I have this job to do. I got all these songs to learn and record. And on the other side of my brain was like the whole, like, holy shit, like 19 year old Matt would be so pumped right now, <laughs> you know, like, but losing his mind. So I had to like sit there and kind of like level myself between those two things and go, I got a job to do here. This is one of the coolest things ever. And if it's going to stay cool, I need to be good at it. So I got to focus, you know, um, so that was like my mindset, literally, uh, I remember day one of actual album tracking after all the weeks of pre-production and stuff. I remember I'm like sitting at the drum kit, all these microphones all over the kit, these drums that have, you know, Will Putney, he's an amazing producer, him and his engineer, like meticulously were, went in and like tuned up this drum kit, placed the mics exactly where they need to be, and got everything dialed in so all I had to do was go in there and just play and I remember in this like there was like this little tiny bit of silence like between like between when I sit down at the drum kit and when the producer says okay here we go yeah uh in that silence I kind of just like looked out the window and it's like snowing outside um and I just kind of had this thing in my mind this thought of, of like, holy crap, I can't believe I'm here right now. I can't believe I'm doing this, you know? It's crazy to think, like, like, like I've always wanted to do something like this, and I'm actually here now. 
am I as excited as I should be? Or am I not excited enough? Like all these things started going through my mind, but all I could think of was, was, uh, through all of that was that, okay, get it together. (laughs) You need to, you know, you need to like, you need to get this album done. Uh, the years of being a session drummer is kind of what helped me refocus was like, Oh, I'm an artist, but I have to do this or else the, or else this is just going to suck for everybody. (laughs) You know? Um, so yeah, that was like my day one. It was, it was like one of those things where your brain just flashes like 50 million thoughts. And, uh, it was exciting for sure. It was fun for sure. Um, there's a level of intimidation just because I, you know, I'd never worked with Will before, but you know, now that I have, it's, uh, I love, I love his detail to things. And I love that even if you're struggling on something, he is so patient, <laughs> like so insanely patient. I'm like, dude, you have the patience of a saint. I don't know how you, you know, but, uh, yeah, this record really stuck out to me because I was able to, for the first time in a while, stop being a session drummer and start thinking like my own individual self and like I want the drums on this song to sound like this and sound like that and I want to play with this kind of feel on this part and blah blah blah. I I was able to think about all that stuff instead of just you know learning a, a computerized demo of drums on a song and then going in and tracking it you know there's always up there's always ups and downs to every aspect of of studio drumming for work and studio drumming because you're an artist and you're creating you're trying to be unique you know all this other stuff um they both take different ways of thinking and so like i was excited that i was able to use that more artistic creative side and i didn't have to worry so much about being Mr. Precise and being Mr. Memorizing Parts Guy, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. The cool thing about about All Hail is that the... Yes, they wrote the songs uh, with Corey's brother, Matt. He did a great job at, at, at helping get me up to speed, you know, uh, on getting these, these things figured out. But it was like all right, he wrote these one way and producer wants them to sound this way. Uh, you know, Will was just like, how would you play this? Okay, I would play it like this. Well, then that's how it's going to be played. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, So uh, because of that, even though, you know, it's like I've done the cool stuff with like Siler Slaves, New Year's Day, Picturesque, whatever, all these cool bands. Um, because of the way Will was though, is that he called upon you to make the part what you want it to be. And he'll tell you if it sucks or not, but he won't try to change it. He he will still make you change it. He'll be like, you know, like, like, uh, this part sucks, change it. And he'll just sit there until you come up with a new thing. And I'm like, it's, you know, puts the pressure on it, on you a little bit, but it makes the album much more tangible, I guess. And it also, for me, it's, it, I have more of a sentimental attachment to this album than I have in any of the albums I've done in the last, I don't know, like five or six years. Just because I hear it back and I go, that is 1,000% me when I play this part or play that part. So, yeah. All Hail is definitely a huge, a huge thing for me as far as the way I feel about it and the way I'm attached to it and how important I, it is to me on, on a personal level. So, When are we going to hear some new hardest music? 
we are looking at doing uh we're looking at doing some recording in January. So uh hopefully again we will do something in the spring or summer as far as releasing music. Um yeah. I'm probably gonna still be touring like crazy with Norma Jean, but uh you know, at least we'll have music as far as like hardest is concerned. I'll have music ready to, to uh get out to people hopefully by spring or summer. Hell yeah, dude. I'm super excited. So what else do you have going on? You're going to go on tour with Norma Jean soon, I, I, I assume? Uh, we're off for, obviously, this month in January. Um, I'm, I got my own, like, home projects that I'm doing as uh, as far as, like, songwriting and co-writing for other artists, uh, which is fun. Uh, I've got this badass chick coming from Houston to uh, finish up a an album that we started. So, uh, January's booked for me, like on that end, uh, Norma Jean's looking at doing a few shows, I think in February, which might kind of like center around like their area where they're from, which is the Arkansas like region. So all the surrounding States might do something like that. Um, and then for sure in March, I know that, uh, there's going to be like some crazy touring stuff happening like spring, summer, fall, like we're going to be doing as much as we humanly possibly can for sure. Awesome. And what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started? I would say the one most important thing I know now that I wish I knew back then is uh is to take the failures the same way you take success like being younger i was like you know anytime something bad went on with a band or something like that i always treated it like it was the end of the world i didn't know what the heck was going to come next and now it's like i don't feel like i have to worry about that um not because of where i'm at now or what i'm doing now but because i know now how to pursue other things you know if they're important obviously like you're drawn to them you're going to put energy into them and that energy will come back to you so i would i would say now like yeah i wish that i knew back then to take the failures the same way i take the successes because uh um i probably would have spared myself a lot of <laughs> a lot of stress and um Oh, gosh, it's so hard to remember, like, obviously every single interaction, but I feel like back then I probably would have presented myself in a better way if I had known that, if that makes mm. sense. You know? Yeah, for sure. So if somebody wants to potentially hire you to play the drums on their record or take you on tour, or if they just have questions for you, where can they find you? How can they get in touch with you? Uh, basically, any social media outlet, just... uh find me and and message me i mean i i don't i don't try to have one of those super specific emails of like only email me here blah blah blah. it's like no like you know message me on facebook you know message me on instagram or or twitter you know uh um and you know realistically like i'll i, I would love to work with more people and you know whether it's either playing drums on a record or songwriting or uh you know, whether you need something mixed or whatever, uh, I'm open to anything really. So, uh, 
I don't want anyone to be afraid to to reach out. I'd be happy to to work with anyone. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for coming on to Project Freelance. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. You did a podcast. Good job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you. That was crazy. I've done, I've, I've done like one podcast before, but it was like in person, you know? So like, so doing this whole like uh, thing, it's like I got a microphone like near my face and, you know, my my computer's recording everything I say, which this is the most of my voice I've ever recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is basically my way of reconnecting with people that are too busy to, you know, like hang out. Like we don't have time to talk to each other because we're so busy. So that's one of the huge reasons I made this podcast. That's so cool that you that that not only not only having this podcast thing, but but why? Like what you just said right now. That's such a cool way to like reconnect, I guess, you know, people you don't get to see often or whatever. And this is that's genius. And I'm so glad that you did that, honestly, because because like because really i mean like i know that like especially as we all get older you know like you know i know for me like we we all got so busy yeah it's like people get busy and like i'm still balancing you know writing for hardest like you know doing the norma jean shit and working a full-time job it's like the last thing i want to do is leave my house when i get to it <laughs> you know <laughs> um, but there's just you know there's just so much shit like but you know this was probably one of the coolest ways to like reconnect on and stuff like that so uh no i really i really appreciate you doing this it's cool all right we are into season six guys that was the first episode of season six of project freelance we are we gotta get we're working on getting sponsors so if you want to sponsor the podcast just reach out to me contact at just the letter k.com if you want to be on the podcast, you can also hit that email and let me know if you make $1,000 or more a month freelancing. I want to hear from you. I want you on this podcast. If you're a friend of mine and you listen to the podcast and we haven't talked in a while, you should come on the podcast so we can catch up. This is what we do. This is how we do it. I love this podcast, you guys. This has been my favorite thing to do every single week. This podcast is amazing. It doesn't make any money, but you know what? I don't even care because I get to talk to my friends about their stories and I get to hear more about them. And that's, there's nothing better than catching up with friends. So this is, this is great. And I get to meet new people and make some connections along the way. And I get to learn a lot. So if you liked this episode of Project Freelance, please do me a massive favor and leave a rating, give it a thumbs up, give it a five stars. I don't know, whatever podcast app you have it probably has a different rating system but yeah give it give it some feedback so other people that are looking for podcasts may come across your feedback read it and say hey this podcast sounds awesome i should check it out and then they listen to project freelance hit that subscribe button and then they're a part of the project freelance family and we're all just getting content every monday every monday morning just in time for your work week to start just to give you a little boost in the morning on your monday all right, guys, I will talk to you next week on Project Freelance. There's a bunch of links down in the description for you if you need help with uh, tracking your mileage, getting ready for tax season, or if you are in need of uh, some gear, there's a bunch of Amazon affiliate links down in the description. That helps me out. I get a little bit of kickback every time you use one of my links. Thank you guys again for listening to Project Freelance. I'll talk to you next week. Stay strong, keep enduring, go out, and go create something.